It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. fucking murphy how you doing lisa murphy i am wonderful how are you jeff oh i am delightful i'm in the middle of kind of a, a pod week last uh friday we're recording on a monday morning last friday or saturday morning i recorded with uh with brett we kind of go off topic from early learning with uh with those episodes and so brett and i talked about uh uh, uh, uh reality dating shows so i learned she, she she always brings in a topic that i know nothing about you know nothing me. about about it. So that was great talking to you now. 10 o'clock tonight, I talked to uh, record with Nicole in Australia. And then on, on Wednesday, I'm, I'm talking to, uh, to Josie and Bethany about, uh, about, uh, about mom stuff. So uh, lots of podcasting going on this week. Glad we're here. Lisa, before we get into the topic, I got a news story for you. I love news stories. This just came up yesterday. I'm going to read you the headline. Uh, Michigan kindergartner brings Jose Cuervo margaritas to snack time comma, made students, quote, woozy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, kind of hilarious. You said you weren't going to uh, tell me what it was, so you said it. That's hilarious. Was it Britney's kid? <laughs> <laughs> This was apparently a little girl. That's the uh, Jose Cuervo uh, pre-mix, ready to drink uh, margarita stuff. Like comes those, little, a, those little, those little. I think it was a. I think they come in good sized bottles now, and apparently was uh, pouring it out in Dixie cups to uh, to friends, and it had had been consumed by a number of children before the teacher <laughs> realized it. And uh, in the story, the the teachers, the school is like, well, we can't police everything that kids bring in their backpacks, which is totally true. And uh, and of course, there's talk about how the kid needs to be punished and how the parents need to be punished. But I mean, really, isn't this just one of those shitty things that happens sometimes? Right. Well, yeah, my first thought was, wouldn't you have heard that clink, 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 like what? Would, would there not have been a giveaway at some point? The kid's like, his back is all bent backwards because it's, I mean, those big, if it was a handle jug, those are pretty heavy. Yeah, that, that'll knock a five-year-old over. Literally. I mean, that would maybe ah. qualify as heavy work. Um, I was so. going to say that, actually getting on the bus, right? Why are you lopsided today, Billy? Wow. So what ended up happening? Um, it's still up in the air whether the kid is going to be punished or the parents are oh, going to be punished. I, or, I mean, You know what? It, it was an accident, maybe a lesson learned on on three different fronts. And 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 at the end of the day, did anybody get rushed to the hospital? I mean, yeah, you know, they called poison control. Uh, I'm sure nap time was good that day, and uh, and everybody was everybody was fine. I mean, yeah. because it's like at home, what what do they think the uh, the parent was? Okay, Kimberly, here's your snack. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I 
I hope nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, the shame blame game like that. I mean, I think probably it's an honest mistake and and oops and. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, thirty-five years from now, during at Thanksgiving dinner, it's a it's, it's a, a funny story, story people will be yeah. telling in in a number of families. But so that's in the news. Um, so well, this, I mean, you know, but to that, I've I've had similar stories where uh, uh, adults have left their uh, like uh, how you say like like a um, not a gummy but uh, like a lollipop like a pot mm-hmm. lollipop laying around and the kid just sees it's a lollipop, right? And then all of a sudden the kid was napping. Well, okay. And so my thought on that, you know, I'm, I'm straight edge. I don't mess around with any of that kind of stuff. You know, if you can't pour it in a glass, it's not my, it's not my thing, but, um, but, and um, come on adults, if you're, if you're going to get a little bit uh, bent during the day, maybe we stop making the stuff look like fucking candy, grow the fuck up. Um, That was was really my, my, uh, but you know, uh, (laughs) maybe skull and crossbones. But again, that's just Jeff getting gut judgy. You you do you, uh, people. That's uh, what are we talking about in this episode, Lisa? Um, well, I got a really interesting um, an email a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was so intrigued by her her statement that I I said, you know, I, I'm going to invite you to book an office hours hour with me because I really want to unpack why a self professed play based person in a professed play-based program is telling me there was too much play. And that was like, to me, that was a loaded email. And I'm like, we need to talk about this because mm-hmm. I'm not able to wrap my brain around it. And and she very graciously, she did, she booked it. She paid me for my office hour time and, and we unpacked that. And I was very candid with her up front. I'm like, I'm mostly really curious as to how this can actually happen. And of course, if you know me, it's all verbiage, 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 verbiage. You know, it, it wasn't that they weren't, um, that they were playing too much. It was more of that kind of run around the room, you know, just kind of not really able to make a, a anyway, for me, it came down to that there just wasn't enough choices and options mm-hmm. being provided. Um, so we, we talked about that. We talked about uh, how they probably had three different programs in one room because it was a co-teaching kind of situation. She had a couple days and then teacher A had a couple days and then the other teacher, three teachers, and they had different days and they kind of ran it differently. I said, well, that's that's probably a little bit of this as well is that the children never know whose rules they're needing to be following. So we talked a lot about consistency and choice mm-hmm. and and that made me think of some of the emails we've gotten in the past about how, you know, there's 20 kids in the classroom and one easel. And I don't understand why the kids are, you know, freaking out and running around the room all the time. And, and, and why is the, the easel needs to go back in the cupboard because the easel seems to be the problem. And it just got me really, really thinking about how important choice is and when there are choices for the children within the space. I think our need for the transitions goes away. Our our, um, our our misguided, I think, thoughts that the that the thing is what's making the kids go out of control when really it's probably the lack of the thing, as in like the easel. If the easel only comes out, you know, once a week, once yeah. a month. Yeah, and I I'd throw in there that that maybe the way we're defining out of control needs to be looked at and evaluated because kids who are, who are quote unquote, just running around may be kids that need to run around. And well, and I think you and I would know that, and we would be watching for patterns and we would watch that. But if you're, 
I think to somebody maybe fresh or somebody newer to mm -hmm. embracing a play-based mindset, that's going to be one of those things that makes them go, okay, see, it's just running around out of control, kids doing what they want. It's completely chaotic and there's not enough, you know, structure when really that's them not having the control that maybe that they're used to having. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it goes into sometimes people have a hard time untangling what the activity, what, what the, the learning involved in the activity. So that running around, lots of learning going on there. There's, I mean, just being able to maneuver your body and only bump into 10% of the stuff you run by um, is, is, is a skill and, and all the, the core work involved in keeping your body upright while you're running around. And, and all of that is valuable learning stuff in the preschool years, well, but it doesn't, it doesn't look like school readiness. It, it doesn't. Right. And so if you're new, that's what I'm saying is that that could be very easily that thing that pushes you back to where you were trying to, to leave from, you know, metaphorically. But also, if you only have 20 minutes of outside time, of course, they're going to be running inside because they are not being given enough opportunity to do it in a place that, you know, one might think is a more appropriate environment for running and jumping and spinning. Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into some of these individual things. Let's go back to the uh, one one easel twenty four kids thing. Yeah. And, why uh, does and it see, work? <laughs> yeah. See if we see if we can pick some meat off of that bone. And uh, and, and I mean, well, I, to me, it's the choice thing. Like, if you know you have a bunch of kids that are loving the easel, well, first of all, it needs to be out every day, which mm -hmm. you know should be a given, but maybe it's not. And, and, and in addition, I always love telling this story because this is straight up true story. I went into a classroom that I was observing in and they had previously come and heard me, see me at the workshop. And so I walked in the space and I saw the easel. And then upon closer investigation, there was no paper and there was no paint. And the teacher straight up looked at me and said, well, you just said that the easel had to be available. And I was like, rare. Right here. Oh, wow. And paper and paint and brushes. <laughs> and that kind of made me, uh, uh, what, concerned? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, I mean, let's give them the benefit of doubt. I mean, maybe they didn't consider that you actually needed all those other, other uh, bits and pieces to make the... Oh. To, the use, I mean, without all those other things, one could argue that the easel isn't much more than a roadblock, a traffic cone, <laughs> if you don't have those other things. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I also, um, I, I think it's important to clarify, especially with programs that maybe don't have access to a lot of funds, or maybe there is only, you know, two easels in the entire building, but that, you know, that reminder that paper taped to the wall can be an easel and, and under the table could be an easel. We can think out of the box, I think a little bit and, and, and give the children that, you know, the, the experience that they might be looking for, but it doesn't need to be a store-bought store something. Yeah, and, and I mean, the other thing is that when, when the easel is, is out once a month, once every six weeks, of course, everybody has fucks to give about the easel. The easel is a, is a bright, shiny object in the environment. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a squirrel you can paint on. It's, yes. a, it's something novel, and so it's going to grab their attention. When the easel is out every day, the kids who don't really care a lot about the easel are going to get their fill of easel and then move on to other things. And you're not going to have that problem that everybody wants the easel all the time because it's, it's exactly. just a, it's a piece of the, 
the um, it's a it's a piece of the environment that that's always available, and so those needs yeah. are the novelty are, are being met, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I would say you don't. That doesn't mean you need twenty easels, but you know you you need maybe more than one. But I also think that you learn that about your kids, right? A particular year. Like we've talked in the past about how some years seem to be more of a block heavy interest year and some is more of a dress up interest year. And, and, and we make those midstream adjustments. If you've got a bunch of easel kids this year, then, you know, Rob's, Rob Peter to pay Paul, steal some of that real estate from one of those centers that, you know, you've given 50 square feet to that maybe doesn't need 50 square feet. So the I think that we don't have a space enough space argument can often be unpacked a little bit as well. Well, I mean, another thing some classrooms could do is they could uh, they could hang paper up on that uh, $12,000 classroom smart board that they have uh, in the circle time area and get Ooh, some actual get some actual developmentally appropriate use out of it. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that might be a that might be a thing or maybe not buy that uh, that smart board and, and buy a couple of easels and and a big roll of butcher's paper. I don't Right. Let's well, just yeah, that that's a whole other conversation, right? What, 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 what blind item budget did you say you didn't have enough stuff for, right? We didn't have enough money for vinegar and baking soda and cream of tartar, but we had a, I don't know even how much those things cost, but uh, they're, they're, they're are in the, the $10,000 range, some of them. Right. Um, and, and I mean, that thing is, I mean, it's, it's the whole, that's a whole nother episode, but the whole, whole idea that we're going to, to solve early learning or educational problems with technology, I mean, yeah. look, I mean, kids used to write on a piece of uh, a stone slate with a, with a piece of, a piece of uh, raw chalk um, that used to be school. And so when, the, when they came up with the, the actual chalkboard in the front of the classroom, man, that was high technology and, and everything was going to get better then. And, and I mean, when, when we got rid of, when we, we came up with ballpoint pens instead of the feathers and quills or the, or the ink, the ink bottle uh, uh, holders on the desks, man, that was high tech back then too. And that was going to solve educational problems. So turning to technology, to to solve problems that really don't exist if we embrace play isn't doesn't have a long history of success uh, <laughs> so yeah, another play does and yet we still continue to not embrace it and that i don't know i think maybe that's what i'm stressed out about <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah. why i have a heat rash on my chest is because i'm i'm kind of worried that we once again as a profession miss the window of using um you know some recent studies to you know move the play agenda forward and i'm i'm worried we missed we missed we, we have a, it's been a long time since we did a, a a episode on elisa murphy rash i mean it's probably <laughs> hundreds of episodes so did you did you want to talk uh rash for a while or we oh, good? i just i just i have a some kind of a heat rashy looking thing on my chest and and the dermatologist has given me two things to put on it so far and and um the one had the complete opposite effect i i actually had to wear a sh like almost a turtleneck last night because i was going to scratch the top layer of my skin off because it um i don't know if the if the heat rash got like activated or if the 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 medicine she told me to put on it exacerbated it i don't know but i was literally sitting on the couch watching basketball scratching myself and not even i felt like an infant you know they were gonna have to put my put little booty socks on my hands so that I would scratch myself to death 
<laughs> duct tape socks in your hand your hands I or know, something right Cut that's, that's cruel of them to prescribe something that makes you more rashy for your rash oh that's... i instantly stopped it right and of course online it's like oh this might you know cause a like a a surge and then the you know i'm like oh hell no 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 i mean are you are you like showering and things i mean oh well, well yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> like okay. twice a day because it's florida I don't know. maybe that was maybe that was giving me the rash <laughs> maybe that's it i'm too clean i'm yeah, using I mean... too much soap I gotta get gotta get out there and roll around with the uh, the dog. Maybe I need some dirt, right? So I need some yeah. I need Rip some some mud. I Rip need some, some mud. dirt in it. So but, another one you touched on was transition times. That's another question that came uh, up. Um, what 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 was going well, on there? Okay, and and I don't want to sound like I'm throwing this one lady under the bus because I'm not. But the transition things that comes up a lot. Yeah. Uh, that and and I don't remember if we unpacked this piece or not. One of the things that came up during a Zoom call a few months ago was the most of the people in the in the audience were like 100% on board with the idea of getting us close to that schedule of good morning, come on in, go play, mm -hmm. right? And and maybe there's you know a couple lines in the sand, you know you got to be in the lunchroom by 11, whatever, you know the the yard is small, you got to be outside at 10, but. But barring that, right, you know, like maybe three non-compromisables, -com the rest of the day, the kids play and I'm facilitating and translating for people who don't see it on their own. Easy breezy. Most people realize that we're like, that would be ideal. The pushback was a lot of, well, I work with children with special needs. And so if they don't know what's coming next, they like go off. And, and we paused for a minute because I was like, you know, this comes up enough that maybe we need to brainstorm something here in real time. And, you know, I'll tell you, Jeff, it jumped into my head and I felt, I felt, I felt pretty uh, proud of myself. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. So they currently had a very, and for our listeners, I'm, I'm drawing my hand. I'm bringing my hand like a, a like a vertical. It was a very, it was a vertical pictorial um, flow to the day, right? There was a picture of, just to use an example, the picture of an easel, picture of books, right? So that we went from this to this, to this, to this, to this. And in the heat of the moment, somebody important must've been on duty. I said, well, if you've essentially got them thinking that everything goes vertically, what if you then moved one of the things up and made it a little more horizontal, right? So you went, instead of one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, there was one choice, but then there were two choices during that same time frame, And then everybody acclimates there for a little bit. And you gradually, for both the staff and the children, you turned your very lockstep um, vertical schedule to more of a horizontal one. Mm -hmm. So maybe there would be a one thing everybody did together, but then from the rest of the day, the kids could have the choice of all the stuff horizontally. And um, I have found that I've plopped that into workshops since then, whether it's children with special needs or not. And I think that helps people start to see, I don't know, helps to start embracing that idea of more choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, the, People, people like their transition times and they like dinging the bell after 20 minutes and then everybody rotates that kind of setup from you're in the dramatic play area, you got to move to the block area. Yeah, but, but you know, the, the more I really, 
I don't know, you start dropping studies and you start dropping, you know, statistics and you can't be telling me out of one side of your mouth that you want high levels of executive function skills and self-regulation if you've got 20 minute chopped up schedules because you're not going to get that. So you either don't really want that as a goal or uh -huh. you're very out of touch with the research and don't realize that if that really is a goal, it's time to change your practice, yeah. right? And, and I think too many times the vibe that I get is like, that people think I'm trying to take away what they know from them. Like I'm trying to take their stuff away. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to take your stuff away. And it's, it's not that I don't like what you're doing. It's that your stated goal and your practice are impossible. You cannot go hand in, they don't go hand in hand. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do the work at this point and realize that you're not going to get the outcome that you're looking for. If you continue down this particular path of yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things you, you are not trying to take away from them, but uh, maybe asking them to relinquish is their power and control because those transition times, it's a, it's a, Hey, I'm the teacher, pay attention to me moment. Uh, stop what you're doing, come and pay it time to go do something else. So it's, it's a real, it's a real power thing. And, and I think a lot of people in a lot of situations have a hard time relinquishing that because, um, for whatever reason, they don't feel powerful in other parts of their day, or they, that's the way it was when they were a kid. And so that's the way it needs to continue to be or whatever. So I think a lot of people have a hard time breaking up with it just, just because of that, that power thing. Yeah. And, and the teacher thing, right? It's when I get to play teacher, I get to use my master's degree. And, and I don't know, we've talked about it before. It just, why it doesn't need to be so complicated, but, but if your ego is still so central to the process, it's going to be really, really, really hard. You can wave the play banner and wear the shirts all day, but until you get rid of the ego and control need piece, it, there's always going to be a reason why you don't take one step closer to embracing play. Always well, I mean, well, I mean, if you, if you paid 10, 15, $20,000 a year for a four-year degree in early learning uh, to where, where you basically learned how to do lesson plans and uh, a bunch of transition time songs, it's really, really hard to break up with lesson plans and transition time songs. And so, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's, you start wondering, well, what did I, what, what did, what did I, get I get out of that, that, that education? So that, that's probably a piece of it too. But, you know, one thing I like to point out when I'm talking about this during sessions is, is that breaking up with those transitions gives you it, the, the big thing it really does besides giving you big blocks of time for child-led play, which is, which is the goal for the kids. But what it does for you is it reduces those points of friction in the day because i mean I, i've never heard anybody talk about how oh the most relaxing and calm parts of the day are transition times right that, that's something no early childhood person ever said with a straight face and if they if they did they were drunk um I mean, or just lying yeah, yeah, maybe, but i maybe, got this or, or bell both. for christmas i want to use my bell yeah, it was yeah. a gift i love this bell you know and, and and you know it's shaking the bell louder is not going to smooth the transition right because at the end of the day it's an inappropriate expectation there's yeah. too many of them yeah so just just deleting the transitions takes away those those points of friction where everybody has to stop what they're right. doing and start doing the new thing and it's much more it's 
the it's organic, right? I, I know that we, I use that word probably too much, but like, why? It's so much interrupting and, and so much uh, of us doing to children what we would not want somebody doing to us. You know, I don't like to be interrupted when I'm in the middle of something that I'm enjoying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, stop what you stop what you like and pay attention to this other thing you don't care about. And then and then we can then let me get mad not, at you for not paying attention. Yeah. And then we then we get all upset that they have no attention span when we we stopped them. We stopped them from engaging the thing that would they would have stayed with another two hours if we would have let them. And then we complain they don't have they don't have uh, they're, they're not interested in our in our, uh, 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 our our color of the week or whatever the fuck we're throwing at them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I remember that when I really first started down this path of like getting as close to play-based as possible, I remember feeling such a sense of freedom of like, wow, I don't have to spend all this extra time, effort, and energy worrying about this my focus is now going to be one on facilitating this experience, not needing to do to them, like, right? Facilitating it, not doing to. And I guess sometimes it just, you know, full disclosure, I think it just occasionally boggles my mind that, 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 that obvious sense of like freedom isn't the first thing that some people see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this kind of another thing you had on your you sent me a list of, of these kind of grab bag kind of topics. We were they were kind of in, uh, loosely or maybe strongly connected. Another one was the the room is out of control. And I think that that falls in in here, too. Um, and, that and makes to, me always think of Dan. Right. Because he used to tell he used to say, you know, at some point you should let the room get out of control so that you can see that what you've made up in your head isn't really what actually happens. <laughs> You know, it's we've of course we've made up a version of out of control where it's like, you know, was that a line from Ghostbusters? Dogs and cats living together, <laughs> like everybody's crazy and chaotic. And it and it usually and it usually isn't. And I and I add to that 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 at some point you want to let it get out of control. Um, so that you know, as somebody working with children, that you have the uh, 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 the ability to to bring it back. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be working from a place of fear your entire life. So we end up stopping stuff before it even starts because we've got this totally exaggerated scenario in, in our head. And that's exhausting. <laughs> well, right? well we're yeah. Prevent problems that don't even exist. But we're, we're trying to fix them like they don't even they're not even here. Yeah. And, and the other thing about out of control, I think, is. Well, maybe it's a couple of things. One is the the way kids learn how to self-organize or and or self-regulate is to be a little bit out of control once in a while. The way you, you the way you learn to bring order to your life is to have disorder and have to have to figure it out. And if that's truly a skill that we want kids to have in life, and and I would argue that that's probably a good skill for navigating uh, just life period. Uh, they need to have those opportunities where, hey, this this is kind of chaotic. Let's bring some order to it. And I've seen it in kids. You know, like like uh, you've got the big. Uh, 
the big uh, wooden cable spool on the playground, right? And they decide, okay, we're gonna we're gonna jump off of this, and everybody's trying to jump at the same time, and there's some pushing and shoving, and and that goes on for about three and a half minutes, and and then somebody says, hey, maybe we should get in line and take turns and and kids i mean three and four year olds are pretty good about self-organization most kids most of the time uh can can bring that order to it or the kids trying to figure out how to go up and down the slide at the same time uh mm -hmm. kids are kids are good at creating that order and you need that the chaos in order for order to come out right it's it's not minimizing the it's not trying to prevent the chaos it's realizing that out of the chaos can come the order yeah yeah it's the it's the 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 phoenix rising from the the ashes of disorder and the the phoenix of organization rising rising from the ashes of disorder on the on the playground or in the classroom and and it's great i mean that 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 chaos that disorder that lack of that out of control is is kind of a seed that allows this other stuff to to bloom really when we when we allow for it and I, I, I also would add that that probably gets easier for adults to facilitate as their own experience gets stronger, right? Sure, um, because it's it's the same thing for them. It's an opportunity to practice, right? This so thing. I'm, I'm paying attention to all that, but I want to see, right? And, and and we talk about that in the in the uh, the being child centered session and in the book is you got to move to the sidelines, right? Because at some point you got to kind of do some assessment and figure out, okay, I think I've kind of taught up some stuff or I think I've modeled some stuff. How do I know that it's sticking? And so if I let that 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 scenario go on like one, two, three, four, like just four steps beats longer than maybe I would have yesterday, then I start to gather some data on where are these children, where are they in their process of creating order out of the chaos and huh if i had stepped in i would have deprived mackenzie of the opportunity of practicing right because mackenzie saying stop pushing get in line is probably going to be heard by a group of three and four year olds entirely differently than the adult marching over yeah right? and saying and saying get into line and, and trusting children i think learning how to trust children to own the process is something that gets easier the more experienced the adults get. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, oh, it fell out of my head. Uh, probably wasn't that important. Um, the, the, it, it's all, it's all about those, those experiences, right? And, and so that control piece. I mean, again, it goes back to, to that power struggle. Uh, our, our own personal, as the adult in the room, desire for power. Also, the kids' desire for power. And so everything boils back down to, to the power piece. Oh, it fell back into my head. So I, I think another piece of this is when we're walking around trying to be in control all the time. Er, control, listen to me. I'm the adult. Er, grr, grr, grr. Um, ah. They start tuning us out. And, and, and so my experience is that when you give kids the control, when you as the adult really need to exert it, when, when there's the time for it, um, they really listen because it's something they're not hearing every, every eight and a half seconds. Totally true. Totally and, true. And so, it's like my old saying, you know, sometimes you got to say, get in the van. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get in the van. But if 99% of the time I say, oh, look at the ladybug, look at what you've grabbed on your hand. If that's the exception and not the rule, you're 100% right. The, yeah, that's it, like we talked the old, the, the infamous no scenario. If you yeah. always say no, 
they're going to tune you out. If you say no once in a blue moon, it's going to mean something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back, I mean, the, the, the best that I was ever involved, the, the most effective, most play-based uh, version of childcare that I ever did was in our family childcare days. I mean, of course, because that's when we also, when we had the most experience, uh, but just hearing my voice in slightly a, a sterner, slightly louder, slightly elevated volume, like, Hey, was, was enough to make a whole room full of kids stop and look because mm-hmm. they, because I, I had stepped back so much that they barely ever heard me. Heard you. And, <laughs> and, 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 and if I was talking, it was in just kind of a, a, a low kind of, kind of don't want to be too disruptive kind of voice. And so when they heard that, that, I mean, uh, you call it, I call it the dad voice, which dad is voice. Kind of, um, it, it brought everybody's attention. So if somebody was laying on the playground and there was blood squirting out and b- bone um, exposed, then <laughs> Um, it was really, really easy to get everybody's attention, so we could we could deal with those things. No, that never. You didn't happened. need to was... ring your bell louder. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the, the the bell will only get so loud anyway. <laughs> so just, I mean, it's just, about your face gets redder yeah. as, you're, as you're shaking it. <laughs> your heat rash gets rashier. Exactly, or rashier. Oh, that's. Oh, uh, Lisa Murphy. Any other on this? Any other stuff on this one? We should touch well, on. I... I, I think, you know, and you, you said it already, but, you know, 99% of everything I think we talk about comes either back to relationships or the control slash power slash ego piece, the control piece, you know? The- yeah, but we managed to keep spilling out episodes even. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, Lisa Murphy. This has been delightful. Hey, thank listeners, you. you need more Lisa Murphy in your life. Go to Uwe, the newly redesigned ooeygooey.com. Um, and, and check her out. You can, you can get her to, you can get her to talk to you on the phone or do a zoom for you or show up at your place in person. Uh, you get, you can get all the Lisa Murphy in your life you need. Uh, thanks for listening back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.